the hard shoulder on News Talk with Nissan Subscribe and Drive. No deposit, no compromise, no fuss. Find out more at Nissan.ie. You're very welcome back to The Hard Shoulder. Kieran Cudahy with you until 7 o'clock this evening. And at this time every week, of course, we have The Hard Shoulder Health Check. And with me on this Tuesday evening is Enda Murphy, the psychotherapist and director of CME.ie. Enda, it's good to talk to you as always. I know this week you want to focus a little bit of attention on the significance of our, our childhood and childhood experiences when it comes to our, our mental health. Is that right? Uh, Absolutely, yeah. They're, they're kind of, uh, we don't realise the significance of our childhood and how it actually affects us in, in adult life. And the more dysfunction your childhood was, the more you will abnormalise yourself and you'll normalise the situation you're in. And believe it or not, we're not unique. You know, once we scratch under the superficial differences, we all take fairly similar to the same. And if we grow up in certain environments, what we originally called adult children of alcoholics, because it was originally written by a, girl, a, a psychiatrist in America called Jana Whiteitz, and she wrote that if you grew up in an alcoholic environment, you had 13 personality characteristics and they're called the laundry list. And about a year later, she had to rewrite the book because everybody was coming back and saying to her that they hadn't grown up with alcoholism. So they had definitely, but they had definitely got those characteristics. Okay. So she said, if you didn't grow up with kind of alcoholism, but say you grew up in a very strict religious family. All right. And I think, you know, I'm one of those. As Billy Connolly said, he says, I'm a Roman Catholic. He says, I have an A-level in guilt. <laughs> so like, kind of, but if you grew up in a very profound and very strict upbringing or very controlling upbringing or there was chronic illness either mental health or physical health in a member of the family you will find that you have certain similarities with an awful lot of the character what we call the ACOA characteristics okay so these ACOA characteristics specifically were written down in relation to alcohol but now that they cover a much broader spectrum anybody with a I don't want to say dysfunctional but maybe that is the right word so dysfunctional whether it's chaotic or whether it's it's the opposite of chaotic and it's, it's utterly rigid uh, for some dysfunctional reason you, you might have these uh, characteristics too well, if you if you identify more with the symptoms, Simpsons than you do with the Waltons, then, you know, there's no such, we've given up the terms dysfunctional families because, you know, there's no such thing as a functional one. We, <laughs> yeah. You know, we yeah. tend to, we tend to try and, you know, struggle our way through, you know, and a comment I sometimes use, you know, is that kind of, if you can get within an ass's roar of getting it right, your children will survive your hopeless parenting as you've survived your parents' hopeless parenting. So, you know, so, you know, if you can keep them between the ditches and just get them through to adulthood. But there are certain characteristics that I would see as a therapist. And the first one that when people come in, and it's very obvious that the person has come from an ACOA environment. But the, the first one that I would regularly see is the person is very competent in every other area of your life. But when it comes to actually anxiety, you'd swear their head had been wired by the plumber instead of the electrician. That it just comes that they just, anxiety-wise, they're very poor at holding anxiety. And the first characteristic will be overreacting to changes over which they've no need, or the way, over which they have no control. And like, if you go back to your childhood, a child needs to feel safe. 
And because of the environment, all right, and because they never know what's going to happen next, they never know when the next criticism is going to come in. They never know when dad is going to arrive in drunk or when mommy's going to let them down or somebody's going to let them down. And they, they can't predict what's going to happen from one day to the next. And security and stability are two major things that every child has. So as they grow up into adulthood, they will then crave the control. So they'll be very over-controlled of their environment and everything because their brain has never grown to learning how to understand the insecurities of life without getting anxious. So when something small goes wrong in their day, they reignite the whole flame from their childhood, which everything calls up because they've never been able to deal with anything. So that's the first one is that if you've always got a major problem dealing with anxiety. The second is say judging yourself without mercy because in the in the environment that we grew up in that this is with the billy conley quote you know we were never good enough the whole concept of original sin you're wrong and you're this and you're that and if you don't do this and we were all told what we were supposed to be like of course nobody mm -hmm. was like that but we were all told you have to be like that and if you're not you're not good enough you're bad and when we go all grow up you know you can't fix the parents you can't fix yourself so you'll find often the people who are depressed and who have this dynamic will blame themselves for bad things. They'll dismiss all the good things that they ever do, yeah. but they'll blame themselves for the bad things and they'll often feel guilty that they should have be able to solve problems in their family over which they've absolutely no control. And perfectionism is very, very common in ACOAs. Wow, okay. I was just going to ask, I mean, how do you account for different children then from the same background not displaying the same problems that you'll have a child you know who grew up alongside another and only one of them suffers from this type of anxiety or judging themselves or these other problems well there's a lovely question all right and sometimes I'll ask them you know I'll ask the person I'll say well okay who in your fa who in your family of all your sibs who's the super responsible one and you'll find that there's one super responsible brother or sister. And they'll say, who's the super irresponsible one? And you'll find that there's another one who's the super irresponsible one. So it really depends where you were growing up in the addiction cycle. So if you were growing up and the addiction cycle was very bad or was kind of somewhat stable or maybe one parent had left or whatever it is. But each child is actually carrying is is affected in different okay. ways. So the super responsible one is being equally affected, but they just happen to have reacted it in a slightly different way. But you'll find out of all the laundry list is that there's an alternative laundry list that, you know, you're either completely guilt-written, you know, you don't know what to do, you're anxiety-written, or you're, you're the opposite end of the scale where you, you reject people who are like that. You can't stand people who are weak, people who kind of don't stand up and don't man up to things like this. And you'll find that where the difficulty is is that you might have five of them and the sib that you think, or the brother and sister that you think is good, all right, has the other five. They just have different ones to you. Okay. And, what hap yeah, and so what happens is, is that it really depends where you come in in the cycle. Okay, so listen, you've talked about anxiety and, and people judging themselves without mercy. What, what other uh, character traits are on the list? Now, where do you learn how to have a relationship? Well, you learn that from your parents. And if your parents' relationship was dysfunctional or if there was saying that, well, this is the way a relationship should be then you never learn how to have a relationship of being the person you are. So because you're actually like kind of guilt ridden or you can't fix the problem, they don't know the person from an ACOA background doesn't know how to have a relationship. 
and they we and the person can grow up with a real sense of not being able to trust others and they've learned you know the people are not trustworthy or reliable they've had their hearts broken from an early age and in new relationships, they're terrified that the person is going to find out their secrets. You know, they say there's we've only three fears in life. One, you won't get what you want. Two, you lose what you have. And three people are going to find you out, you know. Mm. And as I try to tell people, I says everybody is normal until you get to know them. And once you get to know something very intimately, you realise that they're half daft just the way you are. But the difficulty in intimate relationships will be another big one. The other one would be kind of seek, constantly seek, seeking approval and affirmation. And in, the, you know, in, in this characteristic, the child is not able to validate themselves. They don't know what's normal or expected because that it's a moving target. There's always something to be criticised over or another thing to actually happen that you'll be blamed off. So you'll find that an awful lot of people will find it. They, they, they don't learn to trust their own responses to events. And what happens is, is that, you know, the way I heard somebody describe it one time, over my hand I have skin. And if you scratch my hand, it doesn't hurt that much. But if you took all the skin away, now little things would hurt me a hell of a lot. And as we grow up, if you grow up in a stable environment, you grow this emotional skin over your emotions. And as you get to adulthood, you know, you get to my age and you hopefully have an oily back that things would run off you. But you'll find that if you grow up in this type of environment, that you don't grow that emotional skin so that little things will hurt you a hell of a lot. So this indecisiveness, not being able to understand your own emotions, not being able to kind of figure out what to do about them and also being very unsure of yourself not you know, trusting your own responses is very very common there isn't where people are so unsure of themselves and you used a phrase there about the difficulty they have with intimate relationships that they'll be found out or the person will realize what they're really like it sounds like that imposter syndrome that people describe well the imposter syndrome in another lifetime, yeah. as known as ACOA, okay. because imposter syndrome is you really don't believe that you're good enough. Yeah. Because the more abnormal you feel you are, the more normal you're going to think everybody else is. And it's like two boats drifting away from each other. That gap gets greater and greater and greater. But hopefully, when you, if you're seeing somebody like me or in therapy, you start realizing that these people that you are thinking are normal are, you know, that your whole world, that's what you think normal is, doesn't actually exist. And that you're not half as bad as what you think you are. Because <laughs> a lovely question that I would ask people is, is that, you know, they'd come and they'd be feeling bad and they'd be feeling guilty. And I says, okay, can you kindly tell me, if I'm going to judge you as being this awful person, can you tell precisely what it is you've done wrong? And they never can. They can say, well, you know, I did a bit of this or I did a bit of that, or maybe I did something else or I was mean to some of the others. All right. And you think, okay, but it's not a hanging offence. Like, kind of, what exactly have you done so wrong that, that means that you're so bad? And you'll find that the person is constantly normalizing their environment, that there is a normal out there that they believe happens and they have been told that happens. Like I grew up in a Roman Catholic family, you know, where we were told, you know, to be, a, you know, I've done it in a previous talk about sex education when we were in school. You know, you it was so simple. You weren't told anything that was of any use. You were told that, you know, good people do this and bad people do that. Yeah. But you were never told how to deal with anything. You were never told how to go that. You were told every, where you had to be, but nobody actually showed you how to get there except not to get down your knees and pray for it, all right? And an awful lot of people would do that. So we never learned how to do that, all right? You'll find also as well is that an awful lot of people who have grown up in this, in this type of dysfunction, they take themselves very seriously. 
they also have an awful lot of difficulty having fun. Really? And then, yeah, and having fun because, you know, they're, they're not allowed to be kids when you're growing up. Life is too serious. So they have to be, you know, they either have to be looking after somebody, they have to be living up to an expectation. So they're never allowed to just be fun. Do you understand how to screw up, how to just lightheartedly make a big mistake and just everybody laugh at it? No, 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 that's far too serious. All right. And then there's other things like, you know, feeling that you're different from other people. And if anybody listening feels this, that, you know, that in some way you're unique, it's called terminal uniqueness. You think that you're so unique that everybody else is normal except me. Well, there's a classic example of where your thinking is wrong and not you. Your thinking is not wrong in any of this. All right. And another one as well would be and kind of are extremely loyal even in the face of evidence that the loyalty is undeserved. Because, you know, you'll find in these families, the family always sticks together. Yeah. No matter what happens, they always stick together. Well, you know, he was just drunk, you know, like kind of, and they make excuses for everything. And no matter what happens, you retain that loyalty for the dysfunction. So you'll find that they actually retain an awful lot of loyalty in abusive situations because they feel so guilty of imagining the person who's there. And then I think, well, I think we're nearly getting up to 12 now at this stage. All right. The next one is finding yourself telling little lies when it would be just as easy to tell the truth. And you'll find that people will do that, that they will have figured out what the right answer is to do. So if I said, how did you get into the studio today? Yeah. And you'll just come up with an idea and you'll say, oh, well, you know, the right way would be to drive in and park the car and then walk over to the studio. And you'll say that when you might have got a bus or something else might have happened. But what you're doing is you're confabulating what you think a normal answer is like. And you're hiding in behind the wall here. You're hiding in behind this, this curtain. And they're the, the, they're the, the, the major ones and wow. guessing at what normal behaviour is. And I think we've got to 12 now at that I, stage. I, I, I think that's the guts of them. Uh, and, and I'm sure there'll be people listening along, nodding along, either their own character traits they might recognise or, or people they know, people in the family. Um, and listen, a, a pleasure as always talking to you. Enda Murphy, the psychotherapist and the director of CME.ie. That is our lot for today's edition of The Hard Shoulder. I'm going to be back tomorrow at four. Off the ball or up next as always. Have a good one.